Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Fiona Doyle is a rape survivor and campaigner. She was abused by her father, Patrick O'Brien, and last week he passed away following a long illness. His funeral took place as well last week. And Fiona's with me here today on Lunchtime Live. Fiona, you know, a week on from your father's cremation, do you feel like you've finally got closure? Do you feel the door is now finally closed? Yeah. I do. Um, quite shocked. It's, it's surprised me how I do feel, how free I feel. Um, I feel now I never have to deal about with with him again. I never have to have worries about him again, that it's just done and dusted. So he, he passed away last Wednesday and was yeah. then cremated. What? Friday. What were your... Like emotionally, how were you feeling last week when when you got the news, Fiona? Um, I was quite surprised that I um, wasn't upset. I that surprised me. Um, I expected to be a little upset because at the end of the day, he was still my dad. But um, I actually found myself um, feeling quite lucky in a sense and I know that sounds really stupid coming from um, somebody like me but I found myself lucky because I knew what I needed to do to move on and a lot of abuse survivors wouldn't have been able to work that out or know that What and, do you mean um, Fiona? Just ex- explain that to me I, I knew, I worked out I'd say about a, a year, year and a half ago that I I knew, and I and I, I told this to my father uh, twice when I confronted him, that I need to see you, your coffin, go into the ground. I need to see a closure, and I need to see you go back to where the... Actually, my words to him was, I need to see you go back to the dirt that you came from. Um, so I felt um, that this was something I needed to protect and I needed to get. And I just went into like robot mode yeah. on Wednesday when I heard that he was that he was finally dead. Now I need to work on what I need to do. He'd been in a nursing home, Fiona, hadn't he, for a long time? Yeah. 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 And I presume you, and you I, got I a call. And I had confronted him in, in the nursing home in March. That's right. And... Um, I had told him in March that I needed to, to see him go and I also told him in a phone call that I had with him since March that I, I needed I needed that. So I, I've been quite privileged in a sense that this is where I'm at in my head. Yeah. You 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 got to say what you wanted to say and, 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 and to tell him face to face, I suppose how you felt and, and the hurt that he caused. Like, Fiona, you know, I've, I've often over the years, I've, I've listened, you know, to you in interviews and on the steps of the, of, of the courts as well. And like, it was a harrowing ordeal what you went through. It, it's, is it, it was just before your Holy Communion it started, was it? Yeah. Well, actually, it had started um, a couple of years before that. Um, 
the the touches and um, a few things had started before that. But as far as I can remember, the actual um, uh, intercourse started the night before my communion. And that was when he would only um, plead guilty from. That's why my communion became such an issue around the court, around the, the, the in the public eye and that, mm. because that's as far back as he pleaded guilty to. It went on for so, um, 10 years, Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have no regrets on, on anything, absolutely anything. Like, I... When he first con- got convicted, I um, I used to worry about him in the prison. So I went and acted on that, and I went to visit the prison. Um, I heard he was in hospital, and so I've always wanted to confront him. So I confronted him. Um, then when I heard he was in the nursing home, I got in there, and I managed to confront him again. And How did I, he respond I to Sorry? How did he respond when you when you confronted him even most recently? With shock, he the nurse the nurse walked in in front of me and says, uh, "Patrick, you have a visitor. Your your daughter's here." And it, I wasn't the daughter he was expecting. Put it that way. So he was quite surprised. But if I kept my tone. I said to him, "I'm not here to to, to fight with you. I'm not here to have a row with you." I, I always tried to keep my tone calm and stay calm. As much as I probably wasn't calm on the inside, that's what I needed to keep yeah. on the outside to get him to open up and to listen to what I had to say. And did so, he listen? Um, uh, he did. He did. I had um, uh, a recording. I recorded him there, um, my last conversation with him, where I said to him, you know, why? Why Why did you do what you did to me? And he said to me, I don't know. Jesus Christ, I don't know. Um, so I had in my head that that was the one question I had been holding back and not asked him, maybe because I was afraid of the answer. But I eventually got to ask that as well. And he just said to me, um, I know I put you through hell. And the fact that I, I got those words out of him, mm. and I said to him, I said, you put the five of us through hell. You have five children, and you put the five of us through hell. And uh, he goes, I know. And just hearing him say that made a difference. Would you go as far as to say it was an, an apology, Fiona? It was an apology. It was. It, I took it as an apology, but I don't think it. I don't think in his head, it was a sincere apology. Because he, he does not believe he raped me. In his head, I didn't force. I didn't physically hold you down. So in his head, he he cannot. That word rape, he hated it being said to him. So, um, from his point of view, he doesn't see the level of the damage he did. 
and he found it hard to accept. So he would half-heartedly say sorry because he knew I needed that, but I really don't think he actually felt this. It was really an, he said to me, an acknowledgement, Fiona, wasn't it, of more than anything? Yeah, yeah. I, that's how I choose. Yeah. That's how I I choose to take it. Like he, he, I said to him, he says to me, I, 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 uh, I said I was sorry in in the in the court. Sure, I, um, I pleaded guilty, didn't I? And I said you did, and you saved me from a very bad court case and a lot of trauma by doing that. And he goes, well. I only did that now to protect your mother. So sometimes he would say things that were very hard to, to listen to and accept. But uh, I just, um, I, I, I choose to take positivity out yeah. of everything. So he served those six years and then due to his ill health, he, he spent the, the remainder of his years in, in a nursing home. Yeah, and on two occasions oh. you got an opportunity to to see him both both while he was in prison and and in the nursing home and you know and yeah. and talk to him and, and and to tell him what he did. Like the impact of this for you, Fiona, throughout your in, your entire life, really. Like, and you know, as you mentioned, your your family, your siblings. It's it's all like your whole life has been under this shadow. Yeah, and it, it's never going to change. So just because I got closure doesn't mean I'm not going to get triggers or I'm not going to have memories and, I, and I'm not going to be, um, it's all going to be forgotten. I will still live with that. But I I have a justice and I can live with that in my way and I found a way to do it. Well, you've become a great advocate, you know, Fiona, for for victims of, of sexual assault and and rape cases. Like, you, you know, you're like... Is there a sense of, in a weird way, is there a sense of, you know, pride that you've become this voice for so many others? Yeah, because a, a lot contact me and go, um, I'm following your case, Fiona. I'm in the same situation. I just can't do this, this, this. Or I, or they feel guilty because um, they haven't been able to do it or that they're sending their dad to prison and, my thing is, is I don't want other victims of abuse to feel alone. I went through all this feeling so alone and so on my own that I don't want someone else to, to do that. And I want them to know that how they're feeling is okay and to worry that you're locking your dad up or to worry about his welfare. That's okay and that's allowed. And to be upset when they die or to want to go to the funeral or anything like that. It's all okay. And I want, I'm so passionate about other victims knowing that there is a life afterwards. Mm -hmm. You can live a life and you can be happy. How are you feeling, Um, you know, aside from... I know what I mean. I can't imagine the emotions you've gone through, like you know, this week, and even listening to you today, you know, talk about it. But you know, day to day, is it? it, it does it still hang over you in some way, or is it, oh, is it yeah. just? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it's normal things. Like just before he died, for example, just before he died, 
I was doing something as normal as wallpapering. <laughs> this sounds really silly. I was wallpapering with my husband. And we were chatting away and I went to, to help him. And he says to me, God, he said, you you know more than I know about wallpapering. And I said, yeah, because I, I used to do it with my father. And just that one thing, and it brought back so much that it was hard. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets that. Nobody gets the, the, the silly little things that everybody goes through. I mean, everybody remembers, reminisces about their life, about their childhood, about their parents. And that's normal. But nobody realizes that there's people out there that it is so traumatic and those memories are such horror. But I believe, and this is how I explain it to other victims, it takes too much energy out of me to fight that memory. I let that memory happen. I let it happen and I remember it and I take things out of it. You got the the call last week, Fiona, to hear that he'd passed away. Um, his funeral took place. Can you tell me, take me through what it was like for you and your husband when you arrived at the the crematorium? Well, firstly, it, we arrived there early to to kind of give myself time to adjust to what I was doing and to work out, you know, my feelings and how I was going to do it. And I got out of the car to um, for the coffin to arrive. And then there was no coffin. And um, I went inside and I, I spoke to them and said, I'm here for the, cre- the cremation of my dad. And he said, oh, that's done. Well, I, I nearly collapsed, I have to say. I, I was fighting the tears because I knew how desperate I was to have yeah. this. I knew I needed it. And he... He looked at me and I could see the poor man. I, I, my heart went out to him because I thought, oh, I'm putting you in such an awful position. And uh, I said to him, well, I got told half 12, I'm here for it. And he goes, after a conversation between the two, it was you know, the guy offered to bring my dad's body back into the um, crematorium to have, for me to spend time. And I would be forever grateful to this man. And he said to me, um, is there a song you want to play? Or do you have a song? And I said, yes, I do. And I gave him the song. What was and the song? called wa- wa- Warrior. And why and Warrior? Because the, the words of that song said it all. I didn't need to speak. I didn't need to stand up and speak to an empty room or anything. The words of that song said it all. It just, I didn't need to do anything. Just, I just needed to stand there and keep telling myself, this is the end. I'll never have to deal with this man again. And that's what I did. And it just gave me so much freedom. It was unreal. Just the relief, Fiona, was it just that? Yeah, yeah. And this is what I need to get out there. I need people to know that there is relief. There, there can be. You can be at this at this place that I'm at and be in this frame of mind and it's possible. The monsters, 
that were in my life, the the family, the dealing with family, the the um, family alienation, all that's dealt with and done. I can move on now. Yeah. I can build a relationship with my siblings. I can um, know now that we won't have to speak about him again. It's the end of a nightmare, Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I want to, to thank you, Fiona, for joining us today because I, like, I, sure, I can't imagine, you know, reliving it and, and talking about it and how difficult that must be. But I know you take great comfort um, in many ways in, in, you know, being an advocate and being there as a supporter um, for other victims and, and for other people, you know, to, to show them that, you know, coming forward and, and talking about it and, and like the the relief that you've got over the years in, in many ways from from doing that. But you're you're you know, you're an incredibly strong person, like and you're really an incredible advocate um for victims' oh, thank rights. You. So, yeah. Well you know, I, I, I sometimes feel I have to thank my mother and father for for what they made me. And um, this is the result. I've I've been a fighter to get through everything and and um, that's what I continue to do. When you really are in in every in every sense of the word, Fiona, and and you know, I wish you the the best of luck. You know, with um, with your with your future life and your family, and you know, your your husband and kids as well. And I, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much. If you've been affected by you know anything we've been chatting about um over the past fifteen minutes or so today, the Samaritans numbers double one six one two three or the Rape Crisis Centre in Dublin is eighteen hundred double seven double eight double eight. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan weekdays at midday on News Talk.